0: ThriveSweet Productions presents The Perception Veil. May it haunt their homes pleasantly. Those words were written by Charles Dickens in the preface for A Christmas Carol, a little ghost story that so many enjoy during the holidays. And that's kind of the thought with today's episode drop. A reminder that not all ghosts and spirits are bad out to harm us. Some are here to help and show us the right way to live our lives. So, just like Scrooge was visited by four ghosts, here are four visits from spirits that go from pleasant to a bit menacing. So my hope is that these stories haunt your homes in a pleasant way this Christmas. This first story is one of my favorite stories that I ever received. It was sent to me by a young woman from England about a grandmotherly presence in her home and the sweet smell of roses. I don't usually tell people about our ghost as she really isn't scary. People always sound so disappointed that our ghost doesn't scare the pants off anyone. But she doesn't, and we like her. We live in a pre-World War II house on the south coast of England in East Sussex. We moved here just before I got pregnant with our youngest daughter. In our household, my husband is the homemaker, and I go out to work. He cooks, cleans, does the laundry, looks after the kids, and takes care of things around the house. He has often said that he feels as though he is being watched, but can usually shrug it off. After we moved in. The older kids occasionally spoke of seeing a lady in a dressing gown walk past their bedroom door at night at first they thought it was me but soon realized it wasn't i would have thought it would have freaked the kids out but she doesn't do anything but walk past the door and is never menacing our youngest was not even six months old when i had to get back to work and my husband has said there are definite occasions when he's pretty tired And has 40 winks in his armchair while the baby has her afternoon nap upstairs on one occasion he was awakened with what he said felt like a strong squeeze on his right shoulder to the point where he cried out and he said he then felt a strong urge to check on the baby when he got to the top of the stairs he found the baby had wiggled about in the cot and had got herself tangled somehow in the cots around in the u.s a cot is what we call a crib and the cots around is a crib bumper. Her bedclothes had bunched around her throat. She hadn't even cried out. He distinctly remembers the scent of roses being very prevalent, though we didn't have any flowers in the room. If he hadn't woken up or been awakened when he did, the outcome may have been, he doesn't even want to think about what the alternative ending could have been. Suffice it to say, he got her settled back in for her nap with her bedclothes back in place, and all was well. There was another time, one winter afternoon, I was at work, the kids were at school, and the power went out. We live in a pretty rural village, and it doesn't affect us much. The power outages don't usually last long anyway. My husband had just returned home from food shopping. The house had been locked while he was out, and we don't tend to leave windows open in the winter here. He came in the front door as usual, saw the power was off, and as he didn't want to carry the baby upstairs, settled her in the playpen in the front room and started to put away the shopping. Suddenly, he heard what he thought was an alarm clock radio come on, very loudly. It sounded to him like there was some sort of talk program going on because all he could hear was a lady's voice talking. He thought the power must have come back on. He checked the microwave clock. Nope. He checked a few more appliances. No, no power. So who was talking upstairs? Someone was actually talking upstairs. He was sure of it. It sounded like a woman. He then heard the floorboards creak in our room like someone was moving about. When you live in a house with three kids, you soon learn how to tell when one of those kids has snuck into your room just by the floorboard noises so he knew there was someone upstairs. Strangely, although he could hear the bass-like tones of the voice, he could not hear what the conversation was about. So he started quietly going up the stairs as he thought, I must have come home and was talking to someone on the phone. The closer he got to the top stair, the louder the voice got from our bedroom until he put a toe on the landing, and then the voice simply stopped. Silence. And he just knew in his heart that voice had not been mine. He told me it took him a fairly long time to open the bedroom door, as all the hairs on his neck were on end. But when he did, there was nothing, and no one there. But once again, he noticed quite a strong smell of roses. He double-checked the alarm clock, and the alarm was not on. The power outage had seen to that, and there was just no other explanation that he could think of. The windows were all shut, and the back of our house is not near to a footpath or walkway. No one was next door, either side. And the voice had definitely been inside the room and sounded like a person and really not a radio sound. He was sure of it. He was quite shaken up for some time, and it took him a while to even tell me as he really wanted to find a rational explanation. Even now, he tries to rationalize it, saying maybe it was someone going past, or maybe it was the radio going off on its own. But now he always pauses to listen for any strange conversation when he gets home, just in case. He did rather kick himself that he didn't think to record the incident on his phone. He has said if it ever happens again, he will try to have the presence of mind to record it. There was also an incident when my younger sister came to stay for a couple of nights. She woke up in the night thirsty and thought she'd pop downstairs for a glass of water. She didn't bother turning the lights on as it was a full moon, and she could see pretty well. So once she was in the kitchen, she poured herself a cold drink of water and gulped it down. She then turned and saw me, or rather what she thought was me, standing in the doorway in a pink dressing gown. She hadn't heard me coming, so it startled her. Oh, don't do that. You gave me a right fright, woman. And she laughed. But as she was washing her glass and then drying it with a tea towel, she chatted away to the figure in the doorway about this and that, as sisters do. And all the time, she said, I was standing there listening, but not saying anything. She started towards the door to go upstairs, saying something like, Hey, what's wrong with you? Cat got your tongue? And then she realized the lady in the doorway wasn't me. She stopped dead in her tracks and said to the figure, you're not my sister, who are you? And she said as she finished saying that, before her eyes, the figure in the door simply faded away. One second, a lady in a pink dressing gown was there, the next gone. But what did linger? was a perfume smell of roses. She stood rooted to the spot with her heart beating in her throat for a couple of seconds before she bolted upstairs and hid under the covers. Upon reflection, however, she said she never felt any danger or foreboding. She certainly was not scared of the lady in the doorway, but it did freak her out when she disappeared, of course. Now my youngest is a bit older and has herself spoken to the nice lady or pink lady who sometimes checks on her at night. My husband and I smile and nod and look at each other. My sister says there is definitely a kind lady spirit looking out for us here. I know whoever she is. She is benevolent and simply seems to want to watch over us. Everyone is used to her. I am frankly a little disappointed that I am the only one in the house to have never seen or heard her myself. I do get the occasional scent of roses upstairs, though, as do other members of the family. I hope to see her one day. I'd like to thank her for watching over us. The Shushing Nurse In my youth, I was a big believer in the paranormal. But as I got older, I began to have doubts. That all changed in 2008 when I was a patient at the Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. I started having medical issues in 2007, recurring septic fevers brought on by a bacterial infection called cellulitis. I'd develop a fever, then go to the hospital get admitted, then spend the next week or so hooked up to IV antibiotics until the infection was beaten back, only for it to rear its ugly head months later. During one particular bout of infection, I was in my room late at night, having trouble falling asleep. I was flipping through the channels on the television, hoping to find something interesting to alleviate my boredom while occasionally glancing at the door and greeting the passing nurses. As I finally settled on something interesting, I felt eyes on me, and turning to the door noticed a nurse standing there looking at me. She was a kindly-looking nurse, maybe thirty-ish, but I couldn't really tell for sure. "'Hello,' I said. She smiled, then placed her index finger up to her lips and quietly went, "'Shh,' then continued on her way down the hallway.' I started to think this was not an ordinary nurse. She was not wearing the scrubs that modern nurses wear, but rather, she had the old-style white outfit from a bygone era, like they used to wear in the 1950s and 60s. I thought about it a little longer until I drifted off to sleep. The next day, I asked another nurse about the costume party that must have happened the night before. Halloween was near, and surely that was the explanation. Every nurse that I talked to about it looked at me strangely and assured me there was nobody walking around in costume at any point. So I chalked it up to a dream and forgot about it until a few days later when I was discharged from the hospital. And as I was wheeled into the lobby, which had been renovated since my previous visit, we passed a mural of the hospital history. And there on the wall was a photograph of nurses from the 1960s, all wearing outfits identical to the nurse from that night. Upon further investigation into the hospital history, I learned of a fire in that section of the building 50 years earlier, on December 8, 1961, that resulted in the deaths of 16 people, one of whom was a nurse by the name of Maria Winget. I can't tell you for certain if that was the woman I saw, or if I recognized her in any picture. I've since told this story many times, and gotten disbelief as well as claims of protective spirits, and even guardian angels. I don't really know what to think. Perhaps it was just a friendly ghost checking on her patience one last time. The Soda Bottle Incident I've always been a skeptic of the paranormal. I'm a very logical and scientific guy. I believe in an afterlife, but I didn't think that souls lingered in our world after they died. Well, that was until 2015, in my second year of college, when I went from being a skeptic to convinced that there are things that defy explanation. If I had not experienced this myself... I'd be calling the ones who were telling the story crazy or delusional. My two friends, Lee and Mike, and I moved into a small apartment just off campus. It was an old kind of run-down-looking building that was built more than a century before. It had once been a home, then a record store, and a few years prior to us moving in, a professor bought it and remodeled it into four individual apartments, with two on each floor that was split right down the middle and had a common hall and stairway that all tenants shared. Each apartment had a living room, kitchen, bathroom, slash laundry room, and two bedrooms. It wasn't much, but hey, this was my first apartment, and I didn't have to live in the dorm. The freedom of it was so awesome, so the three of us were more than happy to live there. It was about a block from campus, and the professor who owned it leased it to college students for a fair price. The apartment we lived in had been the living room years ago. When it was remodeled, two walls were put up to make the rooms private and separated from the rest of the apartment, and this created a long hallway that led back to my room. One of the original vertical support posts was left exposed and had a five-inch gap between it and the wall of the hallway. The other was slightly smaller, and that was Lee's room. Mike stayed in the living room on the couch. When we first moved in, we were the only people renting there, but there were always a lot of noises. We lived on the bottom, and we heard people walking up the stairs and above us a lot, and at all hours of the day and night. We just assumed it was more people looking to rent and touring the place, or maybe just the sounds of the old house settling. When I asked the landlord about the people looking at the place, he told me that I was mistaken. There had not been anybody looking at the other apartments. Nobody had been in the building since we had moved in. After a few weeks, we all began having these really strange dreams and sleeplessness and an overall lack of energy, waking up in the middle of the night feeling like we were being watched. I'm an insomniac, but Lee and Mike could sleep through just about anything. Yet both of them started losing sleep as well. I said it was just because we had no curtains and could see straight out into the street and into the parking lot of a nearby grocery store. After coming in one night, Mike mentioned an old man in the common hallway and asked if neighbors had moved in. I knew no one had, so we assumed it was maybe someone looking to rent or maybe the landlord had sent someone to do some maintenance. And then stuff started to disappear. Both Lee and Mike chewed tobacco and would have cans of it go missing. We also played a lot of video games, so there were controllers and batteries all over the place that would just vanish. Our keys and wallets would disappear too. We would search the apartment and basically turn it upside down looking for our missing stuff only to have it show back up sitting on the coffee table or on the couch cushions that we had thrown off to search under them and then put back in place. We all laughed it off. We must have been uh, absent-minded and you know, overlooked it. Soon, we began joking about a ghost. The disappearances became more frequent after that. Mike had a girlfriend at the time, and she had a dog. The dog would come over and whine, whimper, like it was scared, and suddenly began growling in the direction of the door to Lee's room, as if something was in there agitating her. It would also do the same to the stairwell out in the hall. I was an electrical student at the time and had just bought some equipment. I had multimeters and a non-contact voltage tester. They would go nuts in the apartment, so bad that I would have to remove the batteries. I learned that these old buildings had unshielded knob and tube electrical wires at one point. They could build up a magnetic field that would remain for years after the wiring was removed. I knew these fields could mess up with your perception and attributed all the discomfort we experienced to this explainable electrical latency. Looking back, I guess I was like every stereotypical guy in those ghost and haunting movies. I wrote everything off as purely quirks of an old house and nothing more. We continued our jokes about the ghost. One night, I was the only one there and decided to get something from the store. Mike and Lee had gone for the weekend, but I hadn't. When I came in and walked past the stairs, someone was looking at me. I could just sense it. I turned quickly and saw nothing. I told myself it was a trick of the light. The hall was lined with record album sleeves, and I wrote it off as seeing a face on one of those. Another night, while we were all playing video games, I looked up and I saw that same face peeking between that post and the wall that I spoke of earlier. I told Lee and Mike to look, and we all saw it for a split second before it faded back into the walls. Again, rationalization took charge. It was a combination of tricks of light and our collective imagination. I always had a logical explanation. That was until we all experienced what happened next. I had just returned from spring break. I'd gone skiing in Aspen, and while there, I had bought a six-pack of glass-bottled chocolate sodas from a local candy store as small souvenirs for my friends. I kept two of them, and after tasting the first, I decided to leave the other one closed because they just didn't taste good. They were disgusting. I placed the unopened one on top of the fridge in the dead center. A few weeks later, while Lee Mike, a friend of ours named Matt, and I were hanging out in the living room watching a movie. Lee ran out of tobacco and decided to go to the store to get more. He asked if any of us wanted anything, and we all said no. Before he walked out the door, I jokingly said, Hey, you forgot to ask our ghost if he wants anything. To which Lee replied, Okay, you want anything from the store, Mr. Ghost? We all laughed. But right then, that soda bottle flew clear across the kitchen to the center of the living room like a bullet. And when it got to the center of the room, it just stopped midair and dropped like it hit a wall or something. And then it landed, straight up. And the bottle cap shot off, and it sprayed everywhere. We were all looking at it in shock. At first, each of us thought that one of the others was playing a joke, but we soon realized that no one was laughing. We all looked at each other and did not say another word about it. We were all pretty freaked out. And after that incident, we stopped talking to or about the ghost. And most everything sort of went back to normal. Stuff would still go missing. And we all still felt weirded out, but it mostly calmed down. Around that time, others had already moved into every other apartment, so... Maybe we just were better able to ignore it when we could attribute it to all the other tenants. My two roommates moved out after school ended. I stayed because I had a lease for a year, so I was left there alone for another two months. At night, I would hear footsteps, or get that weird feeling again like I was being watched. I would see shadows out of the corner of my eye, but tried my best to ignore them. I moved out when my lease expired and the strange, ominous feeling went away. And so did the strange dreams. Two other guys we knew moved into our old apartment after us, and they mentioned some similar things like disappearing items, lack of sleep, noises, and other stuff going on. Mike later came back and moved in with him. He said it was calmer than before, but stuff still happened. Mike still lives there and says... He hasn't had any incidents since then, like it had moved on or something. I've stayed over there a few times since as well. It still had a creepy feeling, but the events had stopped. Now, I still cannot explain the soda bottle incident logically. We never checked into the history of the place. We were afraid we'd find out something that we just didn't want to know. I should say that we never felt threatened. It was just like our ghost was you know, mischievous. But while he was harmless, it was still a bit disconcerting. One other interesting fact to add is that a very old sign was found under the building during the remodel. It was a large board that had the words Iglesia Bautista Cristo Salva carved into it by hand. The strict translation is Baptist Church, Christ Saves. No one knows where it came from, and it had to have been under there for decades. Not sure what to make of it, so I don't even bother to try. It surely was a most interesting year living with our ghostly friend. And finally today, The Giggling Girl in White. My family moved into this really cool Victorian house in Odin, Illinois. It was my mom, my stepdad, my brother, and me. I was 8 at the time and my brother was 6. This house was beautiful inside and out. I remember the bathroom had this neat bathtub with claw feet, no shower, just the tub. Lots and lots of really cool details all throughout. We got moved in and were really enjoying exploring throughout the house. We had only lived there a short time when really strange things started happening. It was late afternoon and I was in the kitchen helping my mom with dinner. She was slowly teaching me how to cook. My brother was downstairs in the basement, shooting at soda cans with his BB gun. The door to the basement was open, and we could hear him if he needed anything. The basement was fairly large and had several rooms. With it being an old home, it had a meat cellar and a wine cellar, as well as a storage room. Where my brother had his cans and BB gun set up was about the middle of this main storage room. All of a sudden, we heard a scream, and the basement door slammed shut. And then, we heard laughing. We thought my brother was playing a joke on us, so Mom hollered down in the basement through the door window. But when she looked down, my brother was running up the stairs in such a panic and scared out of his mind, it was obvious he had not been the one laughing. Mom asked him, what's wrong, buddy? He said, there was a scream, the the door slammed, the the laugh, and, and and then marbles came rushing out from the room. Mom asked, what room? Show me. My brother was so scared, his face was a very pale white. But he bravely grabbed Mom's hand and slowly went back down the steps to show what he was talking about. And sure enough, there were three little glass marbles near his soda cans where he had been shooting his BB gun. The marbles were all covered in dust, like they had not been touched in decades. If a person had touched one of these, it would have been evident. And then we heard a giggle and saw a white flowing gown in the dark cellar. And then it disappeared. All three of us saw it and heard the ghostly giggle. We went back upstairs and did not talk about it for the rest of the night. It scared us so much. We went back to our daily routines and things were quiet for about a week. We heard nothing of this giggling ghost. We started to get comfortable in the house and just passed it off as some weird occurrence that had some explanation. We just couldn't think of it. Even though we did try to pass it off, my brother and I shared a room after that first incident. We didn't want to be alone in our own rooms. My brother had bunk beds and we shared those for the time being. We both got ready for bed, settled in, and were about to fall asleep, (laughs) when my brother and I heard the giggling again. We looked towards our bedroom door to see this little girl, about five or six years old, standing in the doorway. She spoke to us and asked us, Would you like to play with me? My brother asked me if I had heard that, and I said yeah and then we both screamed for mom. Mom came running, and we told her what had just happened. The little girl in the white gown had disappeared. Mom moved us into her bed that night, and we were able to settle down eventually. Things again settled back down, and we didn't hear from our ghost for several months. When our ghost reintroduced herself to us, we woke up one morning and noticed in the living room the hideaway bed and the sofa were pulled out. We never used it, nor had any reason to use it. We didn't have any visitors at the time, at least of the living type, who needed a bed. My mom put it away and passed it off again like nothing had happened. That was also the morning that our cat went missing. We looked all over the place, yelling for our cat, Precious Marie. We looked all over the house, all around the yard and the neighborhood. We couldn't find her anywhere. We were so upset that she was gone. I mean, cats wander, but she wasn't like that. We searched for precious Marie all day, but nothing. Mom cooked us a special dinner that night of beef stroganoff to try to make us feel better and take our minds off our lost cat. To make it even more special, we didn't eat in the dining room or at the kitchen table, but instead we sat in the living room that night. I sat on the couch with mom, and this was the same couch that we had to put the pull-out bed back in earlier in the day. My brother was in a nearby chair, and I felt something move in our couch. It happened about three times before I gave it any thought. I felt it move again, and I told my mom about it. She brushed it off. I moved to the floor because it bothered me. My brother moved over to sit next to mom, And then he said he felt it too. So we got up and pulled the cushions off and pulled the bed partially out. And there was our cat, Precious Marie. And we were so happy to see her, but she was obviously not doing well. It looked like she was on the brink of death, even. She almost suffocated in that bed. And then we heard the little girl giggle again. And then she said, That will teach you not to say no to playing with me. We all freaked out. We shoved clothes in our suitcases, grabbed the cat, jumped in the car, and drove to my grandmother's house. We stayed there for a while. Occasionally, my mom went back to the house, but only to get things we needed. But my brother and I never went back to that house again. Later on, we did some research on the history of the house and found out there had been a little girl that had lived there long ago. One day, while she was playing in the basement, she had been murdered. We don't like to talk about the events that we experienced in the few short months that we lived there. It still makes me nervous to think about it today. And also sad to think about that lonely little girl that never really got the chance to live in that house. This is Steve White, the host of the Perception Veil. These were all real stories sent to me by actual people. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have a paranormal, supernatural story that you'd like to share, I'd love to read it. Or even better, have you tell your own story. Send your story to theperceptionveil at gmail.com, and I'll be in touch. Also, If you like the podcast, rate and review wherever you listen. And if you'd like to support it another way, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks for giving it a listen. Merry Christmas to you and your family and loved ones. May your holiday season be full of joy, and hopefully not too haunted by these stories. I'll be back next week, ready to ring in the new year with another version of... The Perception Veil.